you'd like to turn to uh, Luke 2. We're going to be reading uh, Luke 2, uh, 10 through 14. Uh, Luke 2 is where the shepherds are out in the fields, and all of a sudden the heavens just open up, and uh, they're afraid. And so in verse 10 we begin with the angel who uh, must be a powerful-looking being because every time an angel appears to human beings, uh, they say, fear not. And that's where we begin in Luke 2, uh, verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy to us. I thank you that... With millions of Christians this weekend, we are worshiping you, expressing our joy, and even those who are non-believers, it would seem, would be caught up in some of the joy that is expressed. Lord, uh, we worship, and we pray, and we preach, and we live for one person alone, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I was already given a $20 bill by a teen who wanted to make my sermon a little quicker. So if you haven't paid up, it's too late. Uh, I want to thank all the volunteers uh, this month. Um, I was thinking about people coming to church. We've been busy. Um, we, many of us were here last night. And uh, I just... Uh, thank you for giving throughout this year, many different ways. Um, I'm also grateful pe for people that have to work in these tough winter conditions. That, uh, also, those are in 24-7 areas like hospitals and nursing homes. Uh, I really appreciate all those um, who serve. So uh, what I'd like to say today is, is, could be sum up in this phrase, Christians are obligated to experience excessive joy in God. That is a command that God gives. And if you want to follow along, look in the back of your bulletin. But that's, that's what we are commanded. And in, in this service, you saw this over and over again. Uh, if, you, if you follow some of the hymns, this occurs just in almost every hymn. Look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. O rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Or this, shepherds, why this jubilee? Isn't that a great word? Why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? Glory to God in the highest. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Or joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph in the skies. So we're to praise God, 
but also all of heaven is praising God. Come thou long-expected Jesus has this line, joy of every longing heart. Joy of every longing heart. So as you read the story in Luke and Matthew, you will see there's just so much joy. As we read in our passage, actually there's so much joy that heaven just splits open and the angel, one angel begins and then all of the angels are singing. So you look at the hymns, the birth of Christ, and then the overall Bible, and we'll, we'll actually end in heaven. And it's just one joyous strain after another. So I want to make a distinction between happiness and joy. It's, I'm not sure it's an actual dictionary definition, but it's the one that I'll use. So I think of, and I think the semantic range is they go over one another. So I wouldn't make a, a big distinction. But I will make the distinction that happiness seems to be based on circumstances and it's fleeting while joy, at least the way I think the Bible uses it, is internal, it's spiritual, mostly it's joy in God. It's not joy in a car or a camel. It's, it's in the inner person. So I'd like to look at different aspects of joy in the Bible. And uh, we'll go through these one by one. Uh, for the person that gave me the 20, we'll speed it up a little bit. Uh, the first thing is it's inclusive joy. And I mean that in the, in the positive way. It's including all different kinds of people. In Luke 144, uh, when the angel appears to Zechariah, he says, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Uh, Elizabeth says that when she met Mary, the baby leaped for joy. Mary in uh, Luke 1.47 says that my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And Luke 2, shepherds and this old woman, Anna, are included. Uh, I love what we just read. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You know, you read these verses and you forget this is really great news. This is exceeding joy. And even the wise men, it says in Matthew 2, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. But in this word inclusive, uh, you will find in the Bible that it's not just for the disciples, and it's not just for Jewish people or those who are in authority, but this joy is, is noteworthy in the Gospels because it includes women, shepherd, the aged, children, Gentiles, the poor, tax collectors. All these experience God's grace. And that, was, that is not and was not a normal thing. Jesus is born in a very humble way. His, his parents are poor. We know that by the sacrifices he made. He, he was actually, you know, we, we have these sayings of people leave the door open. What's wrong? Were you born in a... Yeah, when Jesus was. He, that's how he was born. And, and he spends his time with the poor. He spent his time with people that didn't know God, that were outcast. 
He spent his time healing people, people with no hope. And this is how God would be if he came to earth, because that's who Jesus is, God in the flesh. He doesn't come in judgment. So as we said, when angels come to anybody in the Bible, the first thing people say is, oh, I'm going to die. And so if you know um, European art, how are angels often expressed? They're, they're cherubs, right? They're fat little babies, right? They're, they don't scare anybody unless you're a mother who has to change the diaper or something. But when an angel appears, it's almost as if the angel says, well, hold on. I know like I could kill you right now. I know how awesome and, and fearsome. I, I could break your, your neck right now. I know that. But I'm not here for that. I'm here to tell you the best news in the world. It will be joyous for you. And, and as we said, that joy is for the poor, the common. It's for the outcast. Everybody was included. The other thing you'll notice is it's not only inclusive, it's an inviting joy. This was joy, as we said in verse 10. It's for all the people. Or uh, Psalm 67 says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Whenever you have nations, peoples, islands, coastlands, it, it almost always refers to those who are outside of the nation of Israel. God is welcoming, inviting, beckoning others outside to join. This joy is, is not solitary. So if you look in uh, Luke 15, uh, Luke goes from 100 to 10 to 1. He starts with a sheep and coins and a son. So there's 99 sheep that the shepherd leaves to find one. There's 10 coins, and the widow loses one, finds it, and the, son, uh, sorry, the father loses his son, and he comes back. And all those times, the joy is a welcoming joy. The people in those stories say, come with me, rejoice with me. I found what was lost. The person didn't say, okay, leave, now I'm happy. But they said, come and rejoice with me. It's a, a welcoming joy. The angels seek people out and invite them into their joy. Sing with me, rejoice with me. I found whatever I've lost. And the announcement of Christ's birth is rejoice. This is good news for everyone. We can't keep it to ourselves. You must be joyful with me. And people are swept up in this joy. So it's inclusive. It's inviting. And the other thing you'll notice, it's excessive. Uh, you might think the biblical writers are, are just kind of writing and they're saying, yeah, people experienced joy, angels were happy, shepherds, yeah, yeah. No, you, you hardly have the word joy. It's always some other adjective with joy. The, just one of the best verses in the Bible is Psalm 1611. For all of you who are unbelievers, that you think God is a God that is always angry, and he's a grouch, etc. Listen to Psalm 1611. 
you make me to know the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Wherever God is, there's joy. Wherever God is, there's pleasure. And he's giving it out to his people. Uh, Psalm 43, to God, my exceeding joy. Psalm uh, 84, my heart and my flesh sing for joy. (laughs) Do you ever express yourself that way? That my heart and my flesh sing for joy. We said in uh, Matthew 10, the Magi who are you know, away from Israel, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, even risking their lives not uh, following the king's edict. Uh, in Luke 2, as we read, great joy. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, he talks about these people that are very poor, they have an abundance of joy. That's what it means to be a believer. So as a Christian, you are obligated to be as joyful in God as possible. That's, your, that's a command from God. Not to be joyful in your car, your home, or your camel, your donkey, or your vineyards. Because it doesn't matter what the thing is, it's the same. That's not where the joy comes from. It's inclusive. It's inviting and it's excessive. And then one other one that really is, is three. This is um, a little more complicated. And, and by the way, if, if you've never heard of a person by the name of John Piper, uh, he wrote a book called Desiring God. I think it's in the 80s. It was in the 80s. And he is a seminal thinker. In other words, many things come from his writing. And almost, I'd say, 90% of evangelicals quote him. I'm sh- I know you've heard him quoted here. You, mu- you just must read that book, Desiring God. It talks about joy. And he says, this first part that I'm going to say, it's the foundation of his thought. So I'm saying that joy is circular. All right. So the first thing is that God has joy in and of himself. He doesn't need anyone. He didn't need to create us. He is joyful. He loves, God the Father loves the Son, and God the Son loves the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loves the Father. They, I don't want to say they, He loves and is infinitely happy. He would never have needed to create anything. God is happy in Himself. He has joy in Himself. Uh, The scripture says that our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. No one can ever come to him and say, why did you do that? Everything is under his control, and he is absolutely happy. He offers himself as the joy of every loving heart. God exalts himself because putting anyone ahead of him would be sinful. He doesn't look to anyone else. He never says to anyone to look to someone else. He's always pointing to himself. He says, I am the Savior. I am who I am. He's always saying, look to me. I'm the Savior 
I bought you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He never puts anyone as equal to him. The triune God and him alone are we to worship. So God has joy in and from himself. And there's perfect harmony and unity and joy in God. So his glory is in himself. And then he gives that joy to his people. Which, because you have a Christian background, I'm not saying all of you are Christian, but because I'm not assuming that, but because you have that, you may think, well, yeah. No, this is not normal. It is not normal for a majestic king to give his joy to others. You don't have gods of other peoples and other nations that are giving their joy. This is very unusual that God himself would give joy to his people. This is why Christ says, my joy I give to you. So it's in you. This is, this is amazing. God is a giver. He's a lover. In Jeremiah 32, uh, in Israel, Jeremiah gets this word, it's not going well. And he gets this word that they're going to be in exile, and then God tells Jeremiah for his people what's going to happen when they come back. Now, we have children, and when we discipline, when they were younger, they're all older, but we weren't really thinking about a whole lot about the end, like bringing them back. You know, we were kind of like upset, and uh, we weren't thinking that way, maybe. Not God. He's disciplining them. He's saying, I'm going to cast you off, and then listen to what he says in, in the, about the future. I will give them one heart and one way, and they will fear me that, that they may fear me forever. Now, these are people he is angry, so angry at, he's casting them off the land that he gave them. For their own good and the good of their children after them, I will make them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness. And I love this with all my heart, and with all my soul. It's not just I'm going to do good. I'm just going to pour myself into doing good to these people. I will just love them and give to them. It's really amazing. If that's not enough, the Bible actually says that God sings over his people. Now, he does not sing over people who do not believe in him. He doesn't. But this is what he says in Zephaniah. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet, or sorry, he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. <laughs> you can't say it without laughing or smiling. It, this isn't this isn't heard of in other religions. This isn't heard of with other kings. This is so shocking that God will exalt 
over his people with loud singing. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't deserve that. I don't deserve for God to give and to love and to sing over me. So God is completely happy and joyful in himself. He shares that joy and eternal joy with his people. He showers his joy on us. And then he says to us, so he gives joy to us. And then he says to us, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So as far as God is concerned, his people should be happy in God all the time. Now, I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this all week, but uh, I don't want to imply that on Christmas you must be happy because you may be grieving. There may be things that we don't understand that right now this is a sensitive time. Uh, I'm not saying that. But I am saying, as a believer, you should be joyful in God. So you can cry and be joyful. You can mourn and be joyful. You can be sad and and be joyful. But you must be joyful. So uh, the joy that we see is inclusive, inviting, excessive, and circular. Now, If the joy that God gives you includes all kinds of people, rich, poor, male, female, and that joy was inviting, not solitary, but welcoming and communal, and if that joy was exceedingly great, like an overflowing fountain of joy, and the joy came from the heart of God, and he pours it on his people, and then he says, you should be joyful back, wouldn't that be enough? You think, That would be enough. I mean, what could be better than that? Well, the joy is eternal. This is not normal either. I think Pastor Lawrence mentioned this, but Tom Brady was interviewed in um, by 60 Minutes. And of course, the whole conversation is about football. And, And they were asking questions and he said, you would think, at this point he had three Super Bowls, uh, Super Bowl rings. He said, you'd think at this point I would be satisfied. But he said, I'm not. And I was thinking about that. And by the way, the, the interviewer went on. He says, well, what's the answer? And Brady said, I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking... A black woman that's poor, that goes to church in Flint, that is a believer, is happier than Tom Brady with all his accolades. And he's the greatest quarterback ever, maybe the greatest football player. But a poor person who knows Jesus Christ is happier than the people that, most of the people that you see on TV and in movies. And don't let them ever fool you. So it's eternal joy. Uh, As we read in Psalm 16, there's pleasures forevermore. Psalm 35 says, Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. I mentioned John 15, My joy will be in you, and your joy will be full. 
So if God has joy, and if Christ has joy, it must be eternal. It's impossible that Christ could say, I had joy, but not so much anymore. I'm not joyful anymore. Okay, so inclusive, inviting, excessive, circular, eternal. That about covers it. There couldn't be anything more. We just, no, there is more. For a believer, your joy will be increasing. Now, there's two aspects to this. I remember when I became a Christian, and I was about 17, and I sang these Christmas hymns. I just was, I was just shocked. I had sung those all my life, but now I realized, oh, that's what I was singing about? This is the greatest thing ever. I just loved it. And I've heard people say, when I became a Christian, I was, I was very joyful. That can't be your highest moment of joy. It just can't be. You have to be, as a believer, increasing in joy. You have to be happier now as a believer than when you first became a Christian. You have to be, you're obligated to be, you're commanded to rejoice. So the joy is increasing. Now let's go to heaven. Paul says that we are raised up with him in Ephesians 2, and, and God has seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. Now hear this. So that in the coming ages, he might show, and, and listen, the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So if he says the riches of his grace is immeasurable, that means there'll never be an end. You will go to heaven, and I know there's no time, but let's say in the first year, there's no time, but we have to talk like this, you will say, oh, I never knew this. I never knew this about God. And then in the 10,000th year, you'll say, I never knew that about God. There's just, there's more. It's immeasurable what he can display to us. It will keep getting better and better. Here's a conversation that will not take place in heaven. Dave, remember that new truck you bought? I wish I had that here in heaven. You know, nobody wants a camel in heaven. Nobody wants a truck. Yeah, I know what you mean. I miss that truck. Or this one won't take place. Man, I had such a good job and a nice home. It was better for me on earth than in heaven. Remember when, and insert your favorite sports team, one? Oh, I miss those days going to, the, going to the games. That's where my real joy was. Those people won't be in heaven. Have you ever been to mountains or been to a national park and you keep saying to the person that you're with, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. 
we went to a number of national parks in the fall, and I said to my wife, I wish I had a dollar every time we said, oh, look at that. But I think in heaven, you might say something like this. Oh, this is so fantastic. The view, the music, this is so beautiful. And there's so much love. And your friend says, I know. And it just keeps getting better. I mean, the next thing is better. I've never dreamed being this happy. I know, I can't believe how joyful I am and how loving everybody is. I'm saying we have no idea what heaven will be like. It will be beyond your wildest dreams, and it's all because God is a giver, and it starts now for a believer. That joy starts now. You can have that. You cannot have that in a car, in a job, in a home. You cannot have that. You were not meant to have it in those things. Not in your marriage, not in your children, your grandchildren, nothing else but God, because he made you for that. And you are obligated to experience as much joy as you possibly can. I, I wonder, too, in heaven, I may have to give that, 10, that $20 back, but I wonder in heaven if it's something like your capacity increases over time. For instance, if you want to hold your breath, you can, you can ex, uh, learn to hold your breath by doing it more and more, right? Or if you want to run a mile, let's say when you start, you can't run a mile, but you work on it. So I wonder in heaven if when you first start, you can't, you don't have the capacity to experience that much joy. But the longer you're there, the more you, in a sense, breathe heaven's air, you just get more joy and more joy. And, and here's something else about heaven. So we are this way. We don't like to admit it, but we are. Let's say your friend gets an award and you don't. Now be honest. How do you feel? Yeah, you may feel happy for your friend, but you kind of wish you, know, you had it, right? In heaven, it will not be that way. So I'm not going to have the greatest mansion in heaven, but by God's grace, I'll be there. But there will be other people that will have just all kinds of rewards, and I will be so happy for them. I will be so glad that they're happy because I'm happy. It's just beyond what we could ever think. We exhaust everything here because everything is limited here. No one will ever say, well, I think we kind of plumbed the depths of God. We can move on to science now. We can move on to something more. Our day comes to an end. School comes to an end. Marriages, careers, and our very lives come to an end. We live on limited resources. We don't have all the land or the money or the time we want, even opportunities. But there's no end in heaven. Nothing is limited. Nothing. Everything will go on forever. We tend to look down on someone who doesn't make as much money as we do. 
If you have a nice car and someone drives in a not-so-nice car, you kind of think, oh, it's because I'm special and you're not. In heaven, you just walk on it like it's dirt. It means, it means nothing to God, and it never has. Not only is God without beginning or end, our joy will just keep increasing. Listen to what uh, God says about heaven, and he, he says it in a unique way, I think. It says that John writes this in Revelation, He, that is God, will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. When he says that there's no more mourning or crying, it's, it's a way to say everyone will be happy. Everyone will be joyful. You really can't imagine that right now. You could try, but everything will be great. So I imagine there's someone here that doesn't know Christ. And I just want to invite you into that joy. That's what this is all about, is God himself giving you joy. If you do not know this God, you do not experience that. You can't. But if you do, oh, what joy awaits. Let's pray together. Father, I think that we have merely scratched the surface to the message that you share throughout the Bible about joy. I, it is such a miracle to think that you have pleasure forevermore, and in your presence there is joy, and you give joy to your people. Lord, Every song that we've sung this morning has expressed the joy that we have in God. And I would pray that any person that does not know you would realize that they can't find it in any other way because the universe is made that way. Every time we seek for joy apart from God, we may get happiness and we may feel that for a while. That's that's also the grace of God, but it's not enduring. It's not deep. But your joy fulfills our greatest longings. So, Father, we love you and ask that you would pour out more of your joy into our hearts. We pray this now in Christ.